Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. good there i think we're up daniel you are in the place to be bro how's it going tonight it is going amazing man love life so you're the co-founder of hive mind you do some automation you've done some real estate you got a lot of shit going on man what, what how'd you get involved in all that uh you fall into it just like everything else <laughs> okay <laughs> well let's no, explain no. let's explain to people what hive mind is first before we start too crazy so HiveMind is a business automation platform. So uh, every base of a business needs a CRM. And if you don't have one, you're really missing out because it really helps you with your backend tasks and follow-up and conversions and a lot of stuff like that. So HiveMind is a CRM software platform to help any business automate in general. So how do you mean automate though? Um, it goes a lot of directions. Okay. We go down the rabbit hole. So it does email texting, uh, website, website hosting forms, um, you can replace a lot of different things. So an average business uses like 36 different systems just to operate their business. Sure. So this kind of brings it all together under one roof. So if you're, if you're, if you collect payments or invoicing, you can use HiveMind. Um, if you do, um, if you have like a website form for a small business, whether you're a restaurant or a car sales, sure. you can build a website front facing to collect information, leads, follow up with those leads when they come in via text and email, set up a lot of different things. You can sell courses, you can sell digital products. So there's a lot of back-end stuff for somebody basically, right? It's the best, it's, be- it's like the backbone of every business. You can do a lot of uh, stuff in there. Nice. So you're the co-founder of it. We all just, you and your, whoever the other co-founder was, was just sitting down one day discussing some possibilities, some ideas, and this just came about. And you're just like, um, it was out of necessity, man. We're, uh, we're struggling with, um, we, we're doing real estate. So a lot of my clients are real estate investors. We do work with podcasters, stuff like that too. Just to, okay. like, we have calendar integration to set up your calendar. So you don't use Calendly. Yeah, okay. It does, does a lot. Doesn't, no matter what you're doing, appointment setting, uh, Google my business integration, um, send, ask people to ask for reviews. Like I can do all that stuff. Really? Um, but we're, we're, uh, when real estate, so we're investors. We do direct to homeowner marketing. So most of the most of the transactions that are done are usually done with agents. We operate in that small ten percent of real estate market that we go directly to the homeowners and negotiate our own deals. So that's how we get better deals. So you see all the HGTV, A and E, and all those uh, fixer upper. They fix distressed homes. Sure. We find those properties. That's what we do, and we sell them to who flippers. And flippers actually flip the properties. So you, it goes out and looks for foreclosed homes, so to speak. Not even foreclosed. It can oh. be distressed, burned, um, uh, just physically distressed where it's tall grass. It could be vacant. It could be uh, broken into. It could be bad tenants. It could be um, tax foreclosure, foreclosures, you name it. 
Does it put a value on those houses or just says, hey, there's a house here at 101 Market Street. Go look at it. Or how does that work? It's I've it's always been interested in this stuff, man. So it's just like, oh, no, no, it's you know, it's like getting a real estate game and stuff like that. So, so it's okay. So everybody, if you, if you commute 20 minutes to work, you're going to pass a thousand properties. Okay. But you're not in the real estate space. So you don't actually see them. You just drive past them. Makes sense. So now if you're listening to this, you drive by a property and you see something, maybe a broken window or an AC unit. And you see the AC unit on the side and AC unit in the window. It means the AC doesn't work because they have an AC unit too. So little stuff like that, tarp on the roof, um, tall grass, the, uh, cars um, in the driveway, just old beat up cars or sure. just the junkyard type, type deals, hoarders, trash all over the yard. Um, we're looking uh, mailboxes that are full of mail. Right. Okay. This ones right. that are not being taken care of. Right. Okay. Not being care. Not being taken care of. No. No one cares about them. They might have been vacant for ten years. Um, it might have burned t- uh, a year ago, and it's just a, a slab. That's all property that we look for because it's just sitting there. Yeah. So what we do is we'll, we'll go in with the owner. Hey, you have this burned down house. Maybe it's fifty percent there. Um, they already got paid up by the insurance. Hey, we'll give you 20 grand for this, this lot with the half burned down house. And uh, will you take 20 grand? And most of the time, like, yeah, I'll take 20 grand. I already made 200 grand off the insurance. Here, what's another 20 grand? I'll take it. So let's take 20 grand. We then turn and sell it to an end buyer who might tear the whole house down and rebuild a brand new mansion. Ah, with you now. I see what's going on. That makes sense now. Okay. So we, we facilitate, uh, we're called uh, wholesalers. Yeah. We, we facilitate a lot of distressed and properties that don't move because of uh, t- deed problems, airship problems. A lot of people pass away and they have no will. They don't even have heirs. What, what happens then? It just sits there. So yeah. we, we solve difficult problems in real estate to make money. So is that part of your day? Just kind of riding around looking for places like this? Um, Especially in LA? I mean, I'm surprised there's tons out there. So we can do this virtually. So I, I invest in, I have, I own property in Georgia. I'm trying to do a, a storage in Georgia. I do stuff in Texas, land all over Texas. And I just live here. So, uh, so you're like, you're living on like, was it Realtor, Trulia, Zillow or something? Is that what you're looking for these places on? Or is it like bank websites? You don't have to get, make, you know, tell us how the sausage is made, but. No, no, no. It's okay. It's one of those things. So <clears throat> there's different marketing things. So Freedom Information Act, everything is public knowledge. So okay. every county in America has a tax assessor's site. If you own property, you are online somewhere. So let's say you're John Smith in in, in Chicago, Illinois. I can I can go to Chicago, Illinois, look up the county, DeKalb County, or whatever counties. I forget the counties in Illinois, but just pick sure. a county. I can start in that county, Illinois tax assessor, you go to tax assessor site. Hey, I'm going to search John Smith of one, two, three main street and boom, property pop up. It's a two bedroom, one bath house on 4,000 square feet that was built in 1950. They bought it for 40,000 and that's all public information. That makes sense now. Okay. Every property out there is recorded somewhere online. That makes perfect sense now. So you're out there looking, you're hustling, you're grinding. And you just pick one and you see it virtually and you're just like, you don't even care. You it's, just take a chance. it's a numbers game. So we, we talk to a bunch of people, so we do a different marketing technique. So uh, for a lot of our clients, they do texting. So they'll pull a big giant list in Harris County, Texas and text a thousand people over the next five days. And then 
hey, are you interested in selling your property? And then just start prospecting. Wow, dude. All right. This is a, I didn't even know there was anything like this to this. I just thought, you know, uh, what you were saying, there's HTTV with people went in there and just bought the house for 20,000, then demolished it and built, you know, a house for somebody who collects butterflies and whatever. And they have a million dollars. It's a whole nother business, man. Okay. It's like, it's a whole nother business, whole nother business. So, um, real estate, there's agents, there's investors, there's brokers, there's commercial brokers, there's, uh, there's, uh, renters, there's landlords, there's, warehousing there's all these different sectors of real estate there's note buying there's wholesales that find deals there's uh there's so many different sectors sections of real estate you just gotta pick one and you make a ton of money so all right so is the hive mind is like is that your full-time gig or doing automation stuff or it's real estate your side gig or are they both full-time gigs or what i'm I, right now i'm a full-time podcaster oh nice <laughs> let's go so, um, and I joke around like that because, uh, this is what brings in clients. So I, I do podcasting. We have a, a podcast called the Hypothesis podcast network. That's about to hit 200 episodes next month. And we just, I, I do a lot of podcasting to bring awareness to what we're doing. We educate, uh, we provide software, we provide tools for people to learn how to do this and they go out and make money. We've had seven clients have six figure months months six Bro. figures in a month six figures in a month. i was like did i hear that right months hey i want to clarify yeah, yeah. We've, had, we've had seven clients in six or six figure months since we started and we started last february so we um, we've had way more to hit six figures in general but i like keeping track of six figure months <laughs> dude it's sexy man i mean damn i mean some people probably don't even see that in years you know obviously but um but yeah, just kind of touching on what you said, though, you know, podcasting is almost a way to go now, just as far as spreading out information and marketing. Just so many people were diving into the podcast world. I mean, I mean, there's been jokes out there. Almost everybody has a podcast right now. Right. So but not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, somebody else told me a stat that only I forgot there's like millions and millions of podcasts, but only 20 or 25 percent of them are actually active or something like that. You know, and that means active. They posted in with like 60 or 90 days or something like that. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's just like, yeah, everyone's got a podcast, but how often are they actually, you know, working at it, doing all that stuff? But yeah, man. So, so when you get people like these clients that are making six figures in a month, I mean, you just, you bring them in, you teach them what they're, what they need to know, the ins and outs and say, go on. It depends. So everybody's at different stages. Some people are like brand new at real estate. So we have to teach them like A to Z, like, Hey, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. That'd be me. Other people, they already have, they've already done deals. So they just need something to control and automate their, their outreach in general. So that's where the CRM comes in. Um, We're working on a new product just to deliver hot leads to them in general. So we're calling that hive leads. Anybody just that's hiveleads.io. And we're going to be instantly delivering hot leads to them where they'll have a larger chance to convert. Nice. Prospecting, it, it, it's, it's hard. So you can cold call bandit signs. You ever see a sign on the side of the road that says, hey, we buy houses or yeah. foreclosure? That, that's my type of clients that will go out there, put those signs out and wait for people to call in. Okay, that makes sense. And then they start virtually from there. Is it 100% virtually like you were saying? Um, or can it be we, both? we educate virtually. We do two weekly calls to kind of bring Q and a, we kind of bring in as guest speakers to cover different topics. It kind of varies depending on every week. It's kind of new information. Sometimes we talk about uh, prospecting, sometimes about negotiations, sometimes talk about leadership. It, yeah. We talk about a lot of different things in general, but we educate our audience based off of whatever questions they have. Um, but like uh, one of my clients, he already did real estate. He already knew what he was doing, but he was using spreadsheets. 
So coming into this from spreadsheets, he was able to accelerate his business to make more money and do more deals. For now, he's doing like, um, he'll, he'll be our first millionaire this uh, that we've created. And he came from doing spreadsheets. Does, does it matter what the real estate market's like? You know, what everyone's saying that right now where it's so high and there's this is time to be in it when it's so high, obviously. And that is a little scary that what's going to happen in the future. And, you know, with the war um, and everything going on, it's going to be a plummet or a recession. And um, that may think scary do, or what? With what we do, we make money in every direction just because we have the knowledge and know how to make anything a deal. Well, that's part of so, it. Huh? That's part of it. You know, just some people, you know, when things get rough and, you know, from what I've been learning on here, like, oh, don't get in the stock market right now when things are bad and stuff. But it's usually when the time, you know, usually it bounces back, right? And that's the time you want to start catching those waves and get back and ride it when they come back. So, the yeah. Best, the best time to invest is when it's down because you're always going to make a great return. So I learned about the stock market when the first when the stock market really dipped down in 2020. And I really wish I would have knew what I was doing then because I would just bought and held because I've seen people make such huge returns just buying right when it dipped. And yeah, because it recovered in 10 months from the pandemic. So like 2020 from uh, I think it was February to December, like that was like peak time to get your money in there and make a killing. And I've seen people make millions just in a recession. Like recessions are people that make that make money ride the recession waves. If it's in the stock market and the real estate market, they're always waiting for the recession waves in general because it's a huge opportunity to make a ton of money. Sure. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. Just, you know, like I was saying, people don't recognize, and you know, I'm a new, I'm not talking like I'm an expert in any of this, but you know, I have recognized that there are patterns of this shit and that, you know, if you get in at certain times, as far as when it's down, when nobody's buying, that's the time you want to be buying and get it when nobody wants it. But when, you know, you start buying when everybody wants it and it's, you know, at the top of whatever can get go, you know, go to a certain price or whatever you want in whatever market, that's when it starts to get a little scary because, you know, it could fall back down again. So, yeah, as long as you seems like you have patience and you're wise and like you just said, you have the ins and outs and know-hows of when it's up and down. Yeah, man. Might get a little crazy out there for you, you know, get a little bling bling. It's just one of those things, man, where we, we can create we can create opportunity in any market. And it's just looking for people that are looking to sell. So a lot of the people that we we, we work with are people that are. Like a lot of people think like, oh, I want to, like people that rent, they're like, oh, I want to own a house. It's such a blessing, whatever. But there comes a point where you might lose your job and now it's a burden. Yep. Yep. So 30 years is a long time to carry that burden before it's paid off. So a lot of times people, we help people transition from that. So like we've, we, we helped own homeowners, like let's say you just bought a house and you're military and you get stationed somewhere else three months later. Like, what do you do? You have no equity to sell that house. Sure. The money you put down is pretty much gone. You're going to lose. You have to bring money to the closing table to sell this property. Sure. And those people we help because we'll take over the, we take over payments and stuff like that just to take over the house where they can not get a foreclosure on their record. Because <laughs> now it's just crazy situation. So we help people, we help people that, don't know a way out and we help them out of the situation. We're probably a ton of people that are like that. You know, like I didn't even know that having a foreclosure on your record was something. It can affect your credit to seven to 10 years where you can't buy a house. Oh shit. I didn't see, I didn't even know that. You know, I just bought my first house. Maybe what about, what have I been in here? Six, seven years ago now. But you know, I kind of like you as was going off. Well, not even like you, but I was going off what people were telling me just saying, you know, don't sell it within five years. You won't get your money back and stuff like that. But, but yeah, I didn't know that, you know, if you got a foreclosure on your thing or whatever, I thought you could just foreclose, like whatever, screw it, figure it out later. But damn. Yeah. I just, 
guess there's a lot of people like that are very naive to this market. They just don't know, right? I mean, it's not even, you don't know what you don't know. A lot of people aren't yeah. educated in the space. So there's thousands of people that just come across it, especially now with everybody with uh, COVID not working for months and possibly losing their job and they're on forbearance. And now they have to come up with $20,000 to reinstate their mortgage. Like, what do they're just, they're stuck between a rock and a wall. You know, they're just stuck. They, they, they can't even see a way out because they don't have the knowledge to understand how to get out. So you just, you, were you just learning this constantly all your life and you just, now you just, I learned on podcasts and YouTube. That's what most people are doing. That's what I've been doing. YouTube education and podcasting, man. You know, I get most of mine. If I want to learn something, look it up, research it. I mean, you got the power to do it now. So why not? I mean, there's really no excuse. You can say that, Oh, I don't have time or whatever. If you've got time to look at your phone or a screen, you can probably learn something. So I'm originally from the trucking industry. So I've been, I've been an entrepreneur for four years. I haven't worked for anybody. Um, when I, uh, when I was pivoting into entrepreneurship, I was trucking. So all I do is drive and listen to podcasts and stuff. So I really took that time and cause I had a bunch of free time just to educate myself. Yeah. So I, I'm a product of podcasting and YouTube in general. So I really try and get back to the community. Well, how was the trucking industry? You just decided that, Hey, I, I don't want to drive anymore. I want to go out on my own and take a chance. It's a pain in the ass, man. Trucking is a pain in the ass. So I actually, um, I used to load trucks, Ooh. drove trucks, started my own trucking company. And then I went to real estate. <laughs> so how long did you do trucks for though? And stuff. Um, I drove for two years with a company and then I started my own company and drove for two years for myself. Okay. And then I pivoted out of trucking. My trucking company went to shit. Oh, I see what you're saying. Was that, was that one of your first entrepreneur startups? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, you got to, like I said, you got to take a chance and not every time, everything's going to be successful all the time, right? So you got you to gotta pivot. And uh, there's, a, there's a phrase I heard recently. It was not like, because pivot is like a hard stop. You got to transition. Yeah. You got to keep, right? keep it moving. So yeah. you got to guess what your feet up. So not everything works out the first time. I mean, the most business, most new businesses fail within two years. And I was kind of pissed off because I'm like, I'm not going to be a statistic. And I, I failed at like 22 months. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> well, you had that grind, man. You had that motivation too, though. You know, a lot of people would just instantly be like, you know, fuck shit. Didn't work. All right, whatever. I guess I'll just go back to working my nine to five or a nine to five and go to like that. But yeah, man, if you, that's, I mean, you know, I've said it on here a lot of times that, if, you know, a lot of success is just keep showing up and grinding it out and doing, just learning from your mistakes. And just, you know, a lot of people find that first, you know, wall and there's like, that's what you just said, like, fuck, you know, I ain't going to make it. So I guess I'll just go back. I'll it's um, consistency, consistency exactly. in everything. So that's literally what separates the 90 from the 10% is just doing it. Sure. Like starting, just starting. 90% 90% of people will not make it to the 10% because they will not start investing in their dreams. Yeah. To make it from the 10% to the 5% is being consistent. Yeah. You know, so, I don't even know. I don't know if I would call pod, you know, me doing this podcast. I mean, it's like the first thing I've really done out there kind of entrepreneurial, I guess, right? And then but that was my whole I guess uh philosophy behind this is that hey, you know, keep showing up keep putting content out, you know, you know, you'll probably be dog shit at it, obviously in the beginning. And I'm not saying I'm great at it now, but if you just keep grinding it out, you know, maybe that dog shit will turn into something eventually down the road. But you got, what do they say? Put in your 10,000 hours to master a craft or whatever. So yeah, man, it's just like, you just got to stay on it. And that was like my whole philosophy behind it. It's like, you know, just keep doing it, keep grinding it, keep finding people, keep doing what you got to do, keep doing the dirty work that nobody else wants to do. And 
It's like, you know, it's one of those success stories. And I, this, is this a success? I don't know, but I'm having fun doing it though. Still while I'm doing it, like you said earlier, it's, it's a good time. still. but if it turns into something great, cool. If it doesn't, well, you know, we'll see what happens next. We'll pivot. Um, what I like about podcasting, I always encourage a lot of my clients to podcast because it gets them, it gets them the ability to conversate. It, it builds your own audience. Yeah. I'm sure you're building missing ramifications of that. And like, sure. Like everybody's like, Oh, who gives you, who gives you the right to teach and educate? I'm like, well, I did. I mean, I'm out here doing it. So that's yeah. what's right to do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I don't claim to be an expert in anything on here, but you know, having conversations with you, you know, like yourself that, you know, I'm learning and stuff that I've never even thought I would be, you know, talking about, you know, on here. And that's the reason I try to keep it very broad with my podcast. That's because I don't know anything about real estate. I've always thought about how I should get into it. But, you know, as far as buying land and stuff like that, I don't even know where the first step is. You know, when I bought my house, I was almost a nervous wreck because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know, I was like, how am I going to get these fucking loans, man? Like, what do I do? So check this out. I, I, I got I got some stories you want to learn about real estate. I'm What's like, up, man? All right. Real estate path. Okay, so my first deal. Check this out. I was living in Atlanta at the time, and um, I was I had P- PPC marketing, which is pay per click marketing. Okay. So I essentially had a website up, and I paid for Google Ads. It's for marketing. I hated calling and texting and doing all this stuff. So I'm like, let me let me have them come to me. So I paid for Google Ads. I had Google Ads up. This lady hit me up, and uh, she she lived outside of Atlanta, but she owned a property in Florida. And I'm like, yeah, let's, see, let's see what she says. I was so nervous to talk to this lady. I didn't even talk to her. I was like, let me just email her. I got her email. 20 emails <laughs> later, we negotiated on a price. The lot, I think, was worth about 25000 at the time. Okay. And um, she was motivated because she, uh, she was getting letters in the mail for fines from the city because people were dumping on her property from code violations. Okay. So I'm like, all right. Would you take four thousand five hundred twenty-three dollars and eighty-six cents? You made up a number. She's like, "Can you do five thousand? I'm like, "Yes, five thousand. Yep. Boom. Sent over the contract. I did not talk to her, right? So I have a contract for five thousand. Uh, for five thousand, right? I was like, "How am I going to sell a property in Florida when I live six hours away? Like, I'm not going to Florida. So what do you do? You post it on Marketplace, Facebook Marketplace. What? Okay. <laughs> Facebook Marketplace. I posted the deal. Hey, I have four thousand square foot lot. Google Street View screenshot. Here's the lot. Go check it out. Let me know if you're interested. Just let let it up there. Two days, a guy messages me. Uh, I put it up for twenty. And um, no, I put it up for fifteen. He's like, uh, I'll give you twelve for it. Done. 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 So I'm like, <laughs> I, I negotiate him like twelve. I send him the contract. Next morning, an agent hits me up. Hey, I'm representing so-and-so. I understand you guys came to an agreement for this property for $12,000. I, I need to be an agent. I'm like, man, I don't want to pay an agent. Like with this, it's just straight money. Like yeah, I, I pay her five. He gives me 11. He gives me tw- uh, 15 and we're, it's a done deal. Sure. Um, it was, it was $12,000. So we agreed on $12,000, not 15. I had it for, up for 15. He said like, I'll give you 12. So right. we agreed on 12. So the agent's like, Ah, uh, I need to be a part of this deal. I'm like, dang it. So I, I did the math and agent fee is like 3%. So I'm like 12,000 times 3% is, I think it was like $400. I'm like, oh, fuck it. <laughs> so I was like, whatever. So she's like, she, uh, she agreed to the, 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 her buyer's fee, whatever. I put it all in escrow, never talked to the seller. I never talked to the buyer. Cause I was, I did it. I make marketplace. 
I only talked to the agent and the escrow and got mailed a check for 6,500 bucks. What dude, <laughs> wait, would the real estates have to, or agents have to be in that though? Is it, or is it, was she just trying just to get her thing? I mean, so I can do a deal directly with you. Let's say you wanted to sell your house. Right. I can negotiate a deal with you. I don't have to have a license. I don't have to do nothing. I just, Hey, I'll buy your house for $250,000. Here's a contract. I'll send it to a closing attorney or escrow attorney and they'll handle all the paperwork and I'll, just, I'll wire 250 to escrow the title company. You get just hand over the deed and we can do a transaction. That's what I was thinking. But yeah, so he got, he got, he got an agent because he was, he wanted to make sure the paperwork was done right. And that's why. Oh, uh, okay. So, so you can, like said, okay. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where you can have people help you out, but it's one of those things where it's not necessary. So as that was long as you don't, that's well, I mean, that's a pretty badass deal, man. Let's come out hot like that, man. But I mean, I guess I can kind of get it. You want somebody to make sure you are doing everything right. But I mean, I feel like what we were just talking about with, you know, YouTube education and Google and stuff, you probably could for the most part, as long as you're like a complete idiot. So it's the title company. Well, the way I assure people that everything's done properly is a title company. The title company is an independent third party that's going to get paid, but they're going to make sure everything is done properly on my side and on your side. And that's how it's done. Uh, okay. So the title company is the independent third party to make sure everything's done properly. Got you. Got you. So that was your first deal coming out. And what, what were you thinking? You're like, oh, this shit's easy. I'm going to roll here. I'm going to be so taking fucking money. Hard. I, 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 I had a deal that I was going to make. $27,000 on and the, the dude ended up passing away the weekend before close. Oh shit. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Um, he had a stroke. Wow. He had a stroke the, the weekend before close. We we're supposed to close on a Monday. He had a stroke on a Friday. And then like, I don't want to be the asshole. Like, Hey, uh, you still want to sell this property yeah. to the family members. So I kind of, yeah, that's tough, man. A bit. And I didn't know when to follow up because I'm like, when's the right time to follow up? Like I met this guy. I took him to the house. He showed me the house. He was like, he was in his eighties. He almost fell down the steps. I'm like, bro, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that's, that's probably been a tough situation though. Sometimes, man, I couldn't imagine, you know, how do you, I mean, I'm sure there are dirtbags out there like that who would just, you know, try to get away with whatever they can anyway. But yeah, man, that's so tough. So the property is worth about, when I when I initially contracted, it was worth about three hundred. I contracted it for a hundred, and I was going to sell it to somebody else for one twenty seven. Dude passed away. Ended up selling it a year and a half later for hundred again. The family okay. members passed through the probate process, and they sold it for hundred again. And uh, that property is worth like four hundred now. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh man, damn. So. Craziness. Yeah, dude. I mean, do you ever just beat yourself up with stuff like that when you just, or is it you just kind of move on? You, is it really one of those things that, you know, in a stock market, you can't really have feelings for these stocks and get emotional over like if you're losers and winners and stuff. You just move on to the next one, right? You just take your L and whatever. There is infinite deals out there. Infinite deals. I mean, you, every property that you pass by, commercial, industrial, office, land, there's all opportunity there. Every single one. Doesn't matter. So, I mean, I always see, you know, signs where I'm, I'm in a pretty rural area here in Virginia. So there's always signs like, you know, four acres, five acres, six acres, whatever it is, even 20 acres. And it's just, but I always see them. And some of them is just like, oh, I, I, you know, I was riding with my family one day and they're like, oh, no, it's probably bad land. You don't want that or whatever. And it's like, well, I mean, land is land, right? You know, they're not making any more of that. So there's got to be something to it, right? So we love land because it doesn't cash flow. So most people like messing with the house spaces because, 
it has actual value. You can look at the neighboring house that just sold six months later, you know it's a verifiable comp. We like land because it does the opposite. Like there's no verifiable comps. Um, there's no, it doesn't make any money. It just loses money every year because I have to pay taxes. Okay. So people, people get fed up with it pretty quickly. Most people that buy it, they buy it at a discount. We just ask for a deeper discount. So um, my, this is my partner's story. He's, 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 he's a lot of, he does a lot more. He does like the land side of what I do now. Okay. Okay. Like I couldn't do like full-time real estate software and all this stuff. So my, my partner, my partner, who's the, my co-founder of HiveMind, he, he does a lot of the real estate side. So for him, he got a, he messaged a guy and he had like a $30,000 lot. And he's like, uh, I want to sell my lot. I want to sell my lot. Make me an offer. He's like, I'll give you $9,000 for it. And he's like, no, 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 I need 15. I need 15. I'm like, all right, whatever. Let me know. So the, dude, the dude actually followed up with him like three months later. And he's like, hey, I heard you're interested in my lot. What can you give me 15 for it? He's like, dude, I told you I'd give you nine for it. He's like, okay, okay, I'll take the nine. So he gets in a contract for 9,000. What he does is he puts it on marketplace for $9,000 down, 500 a month for five years. Sold it in, sold it in like two weeks. <laughs> Are a lot of people putting their stuff like that on marketplace? Marketplace is, is, is what? <laughs> I, would, I didn't know. I mean, I would never th- think of looking for land houses or anything on marketplace, man. But I guess it's just like everything else. Shit. So, and like you said, he made it, he made he makes 500 a month for five years. Yeah. And he sold it for like 35,000. Damn. Nice. With $9,000 down. So the 9,000, he just handed it to the other guy and then he makes 500 a month off of it. Okay, well, let's go. <laughs> nice. So, land is. Do you think land is a better way to go? It's up to you, man. There's so many. I've, I've heard. Uh, I've heard people walk into. They. I heard a, a couple. They were trying. They tried houses. Houses is like the most competition in general. There's some people that want houses. Sure. But I heard this couple um, that was in the, the Facebook group I was in, and uh, they they're struggling with houses too. So they kind of learned about multifamily. So they ended up finding a like a mom pop not necessarily a mom pop owner, but it was just a dude that a person that owns 60 units, but they're like older. So uh, they negotiated with the owner, hundred percent owner financing um, over with like a 20 year term. And they just handed the keys to this person. Hmm. Well, why? They would just hand the so, keys over. Yeah. So uh, what, what we do is we, we try and negotiate win-win. So the win-win was, is that she no longer has to manage the property, but she gets cash flow from it. Okay. So if she, if she were to sell her 60 unit and say it's worth 600, uh, let's say it's worth a million dollars, she'd have to pay capital gains on that. Yeah. 3%. So she would lose 300,000 just by selling it full price okay. or financed. Right. So what she, what they do is like a, a lot of people that operate in that space, they already know owner financing. So like, Hey, I'll pay you 1.2 million owner finance over 20 years. And like, okay, I'll just, I'll go retire now. Mm. So they already own the property free and clear. They just hand over the keys and make creative terms as far as the rents, as far as the payment per month. And they just essentially walked in into a 16 unit complex owner finance, hundred percent. Did you have to build up your negotiation skills or did you, were you one of those guys that kind of already had a second you know, it's six the knowledge, man. It's, it's the knowledge. knowledge. It's the knowledge. It all comes back to the knowledge, man. If you understand uh, negotiations, real estate, and um, even taxes, like even if you go to somebody like, hey, would you own or finance 
a million dollars, you'll pay less taxes. Like you have to under, you have to know how to explain that to somebody who doesn't know, but sometimes they understand they're like, yeah, that may, I mean, I was going to do that anyway. I just looking for the right person to come across. Like a lot of people, a lot of people that operate in that high level space already understand taxes. They already understand owner financing. So it's just looking for the right person to come across and do the deal. with. Mm, okay. That makes perfect sense. So I came across a, uh, a little warehouse. It was a two unit warehouse. Uh, one was an auto body shop and the other one was a renter that he uh, rented it to somebody, the auto body shop owned the whole building. So for him, he's like, I'm looking to retire. I'm not going to pass. I'm not going to sell my business to anybody. I mean, it's an auto body shop. Who's going to buy it? So, and he owned the building too. So most people that do real estate, they just want the real estate. They don't care who rents it and they don't want a business. So he was stuck in between a hard space because he had a business and real estate and okay. didn't want to sell the business with, without the real estate and didn't want to sell the real estate without the business because he had employees that he built the business with over the last 10 years. Yeah. So he wanted to sell it cohesively. So there's people out there that they're willing to do a deal just for people to keep everything together. Oh, okay, man. Yeah. So yeah, just, uh, just doing your homework and keep it staying up on a game. Right. I mean, just knowing the ins and outs, it's like you've been saying, but yeah, dude, it's just, it's gotta be a little overwhelming at first, but you know, it just comes, comes with you a little bit by little bit by little bit. Right. I guess over time, this, this real estate game is a, they call it, it's not a get rich cream. It's not a get rich quick scheme. It's a get rich eventually scheme. Yeah. That's all it is. Well, those are the ones you don't want. You don't want the get rich quick schemes just because they're usually, like you just said, a scheme or something fake and it's not real. I mean, I've always read be wary of those, obviously. So, yeah. But, it, you know, just get rich eventually. Yeah. It's kind of what we were saying earlier. Keep grinding it out and learn about it. But, yeah, man. Oh, I, have an, I have another story. So I was Okay, meeting, hit me. I was meeting. I have tons of stories like this. Good. So, Let's hear them. So I met, I met a uh, – uh, I was in San Antonio. I met a commercial broker. And uh, she's been a commercial broker for like 15 years, straight by the book, work with buyers, work with sellers, 100% by the book. I'm a buyer's agent, I'm a seller's agent, 100%. Okay. okay. And uh, she learned about what we do about uh, wholesaling and assignment contracts. So assignments are when you sell the paper. So I, if I contract your property for 250 and I sell it to another end buyer for 300, I'm just pushing paper. I don't have to actually put up the money to buy it. So she learned about this, been, been in the real estate business for 15 years, but didn't know about this side of it because she just didn't know. She didn't know what she didn't know. So she learned about this within like six months, she ended up selling an apartment complex, made $200,000 on one deal. And she's like, I'm never going to be an agent again. <laughs> Can't say I blame her, man. Almost a quarter of a mil right there. Bro. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. I had a client literally two weeks ago made $101,000 on one deal. <laughs> you blow my mind with this stuff. On an eight acre lot. Just eight acres made that much. Is, so, that, is that rare or is that? It happens. It happens. If you're, if you're out here doing the work, you're something like this. Gonna, it's going to come across. It's always going to, it's going to happen. So for him, he was, uh, he said he's, he's working it was $20,000 behind in taxes and they're leaving the country. So they made the deal. It was like, Hey, if as long as you pay the back taxes, you can have it. <laughs> Shit. Okay. So he ended up selling it for 120, 19 in taxes, went to the taxes, 101 profit. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but is it one of those things like, you know, it takes money to make money to get into this? I mean, not everybody can just go here. Here's $20,000, right? It takes, 
there's three things you need to do real estate, time, money, and knowledge, time, money, knowledge. So there's people that have the knowledge, but, and they have the money. So they'll, they'll invest people to have time. They'll, they'll hire people out to do the time. Sure. There's other people that have time. So they'll partner with somebody that has the knowledge to kind of fill that gap. The money, the money is the one, the only thing you need to do real estate that you don't have to have any of the other two. But if you have to have, if you don't have money, you need not, you definitely need the time and you definitely need the knowledge or you need the money at least. You need one of the other ones. But money, money is the only thing that like, kind of shortcuts everything because you can hire people that have the knowledge and time to do whatever you need to do. But you gotta have time or money. So somebody with the knowledge. So the money, you get to a certain point, you can just surround yourself with some trustworthy people and make them do the work, hopefully. And then you you all, I guess your whole team reeks in on the benefits, but yeah, but Tom, so, so for example, let's say if I was getting into this, you know, metaphorically speaking, and, you know, I try to let's say I got a couple grand or whatever, and you know, I'm going to look for something in my ballpark, right? And try, then I'll just try to, you know, make a little money off that, use my first day one sale or whatever, then use that profits to go into my next sale and just start building my empire like that, right? Since I don't have, say if I don't have the money, right? But I put in my time, I put my knowledge in, that's how I'm going to build my money. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the straightforward, the straightforward. possible. You can do it with time alone. You'll need the knowledge to understand the business a little bit, but you can put up, there's free resources out there. I mean, you can drive on your way to work, just drive a new route and pick up, see potential properties that look distressed. Yeah. That's a free way to do every day that you're driving around and just look for physically distressed properties, no matter what type of property it is. And you were going up and talking to these people. Would you go up there and like, hey, this this looks like they haven't took care of this in years, but you would go up and just knock on the door and be like, hey, man. There might not be anybody it. there. So we use different tools and resources. So there's, you can look on websites to figure out who the owner is. Like you said earlier. What I'll do is if I see a distressed property, I'm going to look it up. Hey, no one lives there. I'm not going to go knock on the door. No one lives there. I mean, okay. I online, no one lives there. Because the, what, what it is, is they have uh, absentee and owner-occupied properties. So what's the difference? Owner occupied is 123 Main Street, and I live here. So my mailing address goes to 123 Main Street, right? Okay. Uh, absentee means 123 Main Street, but it goes to 546 Johnson Street. That means the mailing address goes somewhere else. That means they live somewhere else. Oh, so they just still own it. See, so they're going to be vacant, rented, or family's going to live there. One of the three. That's it. Mm. Okay. So yeah. So it's really easy to tell if the owner lives there. And you always want to talk to the owner. So if I go to 123 Main Street, I pull it up and John Smith of 567 Johnson Street lives there, or that's the mailing address. I know if I knock on the door, it's probably gonna be rented. So there's no point in knocking on the door. I need to talk to the decision maker, which would be the owner. Of course, of course. Well, damn, man. I know you, this is kind of, I feel like we're kind of making it where you are making this sound easier than what it is, but obviously it's, it's hard. It's it hard. is. Yeah. It's, it's not it's, anything worth doing is not easy. Right. Is that what they say? Everybody would be doing it then. It takes, it took me seven months to get a deal. Oh, but I was, I was doing, I had a full-time business that I was, I was operating a trucking company at that time and I was doing real estate in my free time. And it took me seven months. Um, it's different for most people. I've seen people get deals on their first phone call, I'm like, what the, f-? Like, <laughs> lucky as heck, you yeah. know? Or, or in their first 30 days, that's even lucky. Uh, one of my clients that we just interviewed on our podcast, he still works, uh, he still works as a roofer, but he's done six deals. He's done 10 deals in six months and that netted almost 70 grand. 
Not bad. It was crazy because it took me seven months to get my first deal. Yeah. So were you almost giving up at that point? Seven months trying to get your over? You just like, nah, just stay on it, man. Just stay on. I know it's going to happen. I was on it because I, like I said, I was spinning my wheels. I needed to do something else. And it was just one of those things I had, I had to do something else. Had to. You also had your uh, trucking company go too. So you still had some type of income, right? So you weren't completely probably stressed out. No, I was stressed the fuck out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was bad, man. When I was in trucking, it was crazy. So I did trucking for two, a little under two years. Right. Uh, we grossed 550 and I still lost 100 grand. Does that cause it cost so much to operate a tr- trucking business or? The operating expenses for trucking is insane literally insane like um think of uh these publicly traded trucking companies you know what their margins are i have no clue 1%. how much one percent i had no idea one percent is what their profit margin is every 99 dollars they bring in they only keep one dollar how can that be i mean so i mean in my area i live near a volvo trucking and mac thing where i'm at pretty close and I mean, I think they do pretty well as far as workers there and stuff, they do pretty well. But is that because of everybody they're paying and all the parts and obviously and just to even buy a truck right now is the six figures, right? Or more? Uh new truck, yeah. New truck's gonna be about probably one thirty right now. Yeah. And so obviously truck. you got you got that, then you got gas, and then you got everything else. Damn, man. It's it's just like on paper, as a new company, you're starting at like ten percent profit margin, and then it just goes down from there because there's just so many people in your pockets. So you got drivers, fuel, insurance, um, maintenance, equipment, um, employees. It just it just keeps going on and on. It just goes on and on. I never thought about that. That's your you blew my mind with that one dollar margin right there, man, dude. So uh, if there's a company called uh, Old Dominion, which is like the yeah, best, they're the, they're, they're the highest grossing uh, trucking company. I, that's the company I used to work for. Okay, their gross profit margins were three and a half percent. So why was that? Just because they got to uh, so big? They were doing three times better than everybody else. <laughs> I mean, they just got they were just that much better. Yeah. I mean, what well, were they doing different than everybody else? You know. I, well, I mean, Old Dominion is a whole other thing. They they were, I think they provided more quality service because I did work for other trucking companies. Okay. Up, and they didn't give a shit. They just brought in money, and it was just fucking. What? <laughs> Those other companies still made one percent, but they're bringing in billions of dollars, billions. So they're making, they're still making a lot of money, even mm-hmm. after spending billions of dollars. I'm with you now. I'm with you now. But one percent. But one percent. Damn, man. Well, I mean, I admire you, dude. I mean, your, you know, your grind and you know your work ethic, just sitting there, you know, still trucking and still just learning and wanting like, Hey, there's better ways than doing this, man. I mean, you know, I know truck driver. I don't really know any, I know a couple of them. I used to work it for in high school. Now, I was at a, what do you call it? Like it was a wholesale fruit distribution warehouse or something. We would load 18 wheelers all day and send them out to like, you know, the major supermarkets and stuff. But those truck drivers, man, they would just stay on the grind every day. But yeah, man, I mean, but they got, I thought they did pretty well, but you know, they seemed, the drivers might do well. Like my my first year of driving, I did I did ninety six thousand dollars. Uh-huh. Mind you, that was anomaly because I was at a really good paying company, yeah. and I worked my ass off for that shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, how how much are you driving a day? It's all changed, ain't it? 
No, no, no. I was on the regulation back then. So okay. with, with trucking, you can you, you have to you can work up to 14 hours a day. You can only drive up to 11. You have to take your first lunch break before eight hours. So it's like really long days and you work 24-7 pretty much because even if you're not at home, you're still working. It sucks. It's just you sucks. were you getting to scope out a lot of property though, just doing your drives? Like while you were like, oh, I could get that one. Oh no. That might be no. me. Well, I guess you're mainly on the interstate too, probably. Yeah, I was mainly on the interstate, all interstate miles. And like I said, I use that time to educate myself. That's the way to do it, dude. Dude, I admire that, dude. Did you go to college or anything or you just came out? I went to college for two years, but it was a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't doubt it, man. For me, it was one of those things where I didn't know where I, at 18, I'm like, I didn't know what to do. Like, sure kind of get pushed out into adulthood and like, I was one of those guys you ever going to college and I kind of went to college and I like I didn't like I, I failed on my classes because I was just like I'm here this is where I'm supposed to be but what do I do yeah yeah you're just <laughs> you know you were just being told it's one of those things I've said on here too before you know you want like college is almost teaching you or even education in general teaching you what to think and not really how to think and you know it's just, there's you know I was one of those guys I just went to you know, I went, obviously I went all the way to get my master's and stuff, but I, I went to community college first because I had no clue what I was doing. You know, I was like, I came out of high school, all my friends were doing their thing, going to college and stuff. And I didn't really get in anywhere. So I was like, oh, I'll go here. But I didn't know why I was going there because I was supposed to. Yeah, I was in that, I was in that same trap, man. I, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't, man, I feel like I didn't have a direction. So I was like 21. I was like a lost puppy out there. Yeah. Yeah, but, dude. I mean, I, I was kind of. Yeah, it was, I mean, I, I kind of found my way, I guess, and I, kind of, I stayed in it, obviously, but I still, you know, going through college, it's like, I don't know why I'm majoring in this, because I just feel like I have to. You know, it's like, do I really want to do this? I don't know. It's just, I felt like it was only because everyone told me to, and that was what I had to do. Yeah, college is one of those things where, like, it's just a waste of time. Waste of time. But I mean, it's something like what we've been talking about tonight, you know, I mean, I guess they have real estate classes and college now and stuff. I don't even know, but at high school level, I mean, I don't remember learning anything like this. You, the the best education you can get is actually doing it. Yeah. I agree hundred percent. Just with anything. That's why, that's why, that's why apprenticeship, apprenticeships are so huge, whether like electrician or sure. all that stuff, like you're going to get a way better education being doing an apprenticeship than you will go into a community college. Did you have a mentor kind of helping you out too along the way? I know you said we did podcasts and YouTube, but did you have somebody who kind of had been down the same road? Kind of like, hey, Daniel, man, this is the way to do it. Um, I didn't get a mentor till I was probably like a year in. Yeah. And it was just one, I didn't even like, I didn't even know who to ask. But like, that's one of the big things is like, we do a community now. So like, you can go ask, the, you can now go ask people in our community and there's people in there that are doing it to guide you down the right path. And we provide resources to guide you down the right path. So like, it was one of those things where I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even know those things existed when I was doing it. It was sure. just one of, those, one of those things you kind of find along the way and you, you learn and do better. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've said it on here too, plenty of times that, you know, you just keep surrounding yourself with the right people. You're eventually going to get better and do better and get to a goal that you have planned out. If your goal is, you know, make a six figures and would you say a month or whatever that one guy just did or something, whatever. Yeah, dude, I think it can be done. It might be hard, but yeah, it's uh there's ways of doing it. There's success stories out there. So it's a it's a grind and it's um it's a lot of it's just consistency, man. Being intentional with your time, being intentional with your um knowing what your goal is, like you can you can burn out of this real quick. Entrepreneur entrepreneurship is not for the lighthearted. Like I, I tell people I'm I'm fucking crazy, man. Like, well, you gotta be. 
You got to be crazy. You got to be some part of crazy, man. I mean, look at you, sports. You sports guy. I mean, like, look at Michael Jordan and stuff, man. I mean, you know, the stories you hear on him, like you know, always wanting to win. If he got beat, he would sit out there, or you know, playing pool until all day or all night long until he finally won a game or whatever. You got to have some type of, you know, it's it's like a double edged sword. It's good and bad. You know, it keeps you there to keep you probably get your goals, but you know, also you know, if you're that one story, Michael Jordan was playing pool for probably sixteen hours at one point, but look. He got to where he wanted to be. He wanted yeah. to win. It, it's 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 a it's a it's it's a path. Like even now, like I've been I've been self employed for four, maybe almost four and a half years now. Yeah, uh, but it's cool. You know, you got your own hours. You're your own boss, right? Yeah. I I, I hit I hit a million in revenue in four years. Nice. So I'm like, okay, that's that's pretty cool. And then like this year's looking like a million in revenue just year five. So I'm like, at this rate. We might do a multi millions next year, you know. Let's go, it's, one man. Things, it's one of those things where, like, um, you really like you you can't ask your boss for a hundred percent increase year on year. Sure, you can get the entrepreneurship, but you can't get that at a job. Oh, that's a good point, dude. It ain't gonna happen. If you if you if you want to bet on yourself and get a hundred percent raise annually, you you're only gonna get an entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and it might not be 100% every time, but hell, it could be 50%, right? I mean. So here's the other thing is that in entrepreneurship, you don't need to make as much money as you do as a job. How do you mean? Because um, if you make less money, you don't have to pay taxes. <laughs> okay. And you and you get opportunities for grants. True. SBA. Um, for, the, for, the pan, for the pandemic, I actually got the... EIDL, they gave me 20 grand for being self-employed. I'm like, all right. Yes. Really? Yeah. I didn't even know about that. Do you see? I, I, I miss out on all this stuff, man. I just don't and keep up with it. This is one of those things where like you had to have an LLC that was predated the COVID and they gave you 20, they gave you free money. I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> so you just use that money to turn into more money probably, right? Yeah. I have, I, I heard, I heard of a story. He, he has like millions of dollars in assets, but assets give you the ability to become less tax liable, less tax liable. The tax code is written for investors and business owners because um, they're actually producing and creating more money. Whereas uh, employees, no, no, just to any employees, they're actually the people that actually pay the most taxes. So if you're an investor or if you're a business owner, you actually get more tax incentives. So I heard of, uh, I was just at a conference and this guy was telling me he has like multi millions of dollars in assets, gets paid huge amounts of money. He still gets, uh, um, like he still got the the PPP loan and all this stuff. Like he yeah. still gets all this, this uh, government funding because he has so many assets that are depreciated that he, on paper, he doesn't make any money. Interesting. Huh. Paper doesn't make any money. So, how does that and, work? In real estate, you can buy an asset and yeah. how long do you live in your house? Uh, I think about seven, eight years now. Okay. So you have to own your house for over two years before you can 100% depreciate your asset, depreciate your house. So us as investors, we can use that depreciation to mitigate our taxes or we'll buy a property. To uh, okay. I'm seeing what you're saying now. So when you start making more money, the best way to pay less taxes is to buy more real estate because you can appreciate it and actually take a loss to pay less taxes. So yeah. I have, I have a, uh, not a, it was an acquaintance of mine. 
he has a restaurant that he loses quarter million a year or more. He loses in the restaurant, but he just paid it's all money that he doesn't pay taxes on. Okay. Well, that seems to work too. Daniel, I know we're getting kind of short here, but I wanted to ask you, you know, as far as that business automation and marketing goes, I mean, is there certain better, best ways? Cause that's kind of what I've been looking at lately as far as marketing this, whatever you want to call it podcast I'm doing and my life, I guess. But is there certain ways to uh, give little hints and tips out there for people right now or what? Sure. Sure. This is going to be just for you only because you're, you're, you're the special, you're the special guest today. Hell yeah. So automation podcasting. So with a podcast, do you have a product or service you sell? Uh, I guess that's this conversation. I want to really say I'm selling any, yeah, me. You should start and create a product of how to start a podcast. Okay. Because you're successful at that. Okay. How many episodes okay. do you have? How many episodes do you have? Oh, dude, you're going to be over a hundred. So when this comes oh, out, you have a successful podcast because you have over a hundred episodes. So you can create a product on how to start a podcast because for you, you know what RSS feed is. Yep. People don't know what that shit is. Like when <laughs> I started my podcast, I had to learn from A to Z. I was the same way. So you as a podcaster, you're a successful podcaster who has over 100 episodes, you can educate people on how to start a podcast. Cool. So you can create a digital product. Yeah. Now what you do is you have the product of the podcast that everybody's listening to now. You can now offer it through your podcast. Okay. It's coming you together. Do, you can do educations and masterclasses on how to monetize your podcast because you haven't, you haven't figured that out yet. So nope. we'll talk about how to monetize your co- podcast and that can be <laughs> in your course is how to monetize your podcast. Um, getting affiliate partnerships, finding um, ads to put in your pre-roll, mid-roll, and end-roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charging uh, guests to come on your show could all be revenue sources that you're not capitalizing on. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm taking notes here, man. <laughs> so so how, I, how I do it is anybody that's interested in HiveMind, you can text me at 210-972-1842. The course, the, the, the free, the keyword is course. It takes the keyword course. It tells you how to make six figures on one land deal for a dollar. So what that is, is it's a lead magnet for people to come in. Sure. They text in, we collect their information, and now we introduce them to other products and services that we might offer, which is how to start a podcast. Mm. I see where you're going, man. Okay. So then, you, then, then you can create a, your own podcasting community and talk about how to, uh, how to find guests, make them do a webinar of how to find guests. You know how to find guests. Yes. Yeah. People starting out to know how to find guests. <laughs> yeah, how, to find guests yeah. how to find the right guest. Yeah. yeah. How to carry a conversation. You can do, you can do education on that. Mm. Um, you can do a community where you do, um, you can do coaching calls like once a, once a month or whatever group coaching calls to educate them and see how they're doing on their podcasts and the hangups are stuck up on uh, how to find affiliate partners to push on their show, how to find the right people and um, just different ways to monetize it. Damn. Yeah, dude. I agree hundred percent with you, man. Just uh, even one thing that when I started this, somebody was talking about, well, what are you going to, uh, what are you going to talk about? What are you going to produce? What are you going to, I was like, dude, every conversation is content, dude. I mean, it doesn't, you know, it's, I mean, look, there's some shitty podcasts out there and there's some good ones, but yeah, I mean, just having a conversation with someone like you, that's content right there. And just learning from there, people are going to get some, you know, only if, what do I always say? If like 99 people, 
you know, would say it's dog shit, but at least out of a hundred, but one person said it was good. You know, it's like, Hey man, at least someone got something out of it, you know? So, so I just, I heard through the grapevine. I haven't confirmed this is true. There's a podcast out there that he charges. There's two out there that charge 10 to $25,000 just to come on their podcast. What? One episode as a guest. Really? And they ask for affiliate links and they ask for a portion of the affiliate links of revenue created. And that's how they make money on their podcasts, including ads. It's a lot of cheese, man. $10,000, $25,000 come on a podcast. Damn, bro. But I guess you get uh, a lot of turns. This, this is through the grapevine. Person that paid $25,000 get on the podcast ended up making 100000 off of their high ticket product from getting on the podcast because they had a big audience. So a podcast could be used as ad revenue or ads in general. It's a way to get out to your audience. So one of the big reasons why I like podcasting is because it kind of creates a foothold into a uh, digital space. You leverage other people's audiences by becoming a guest. Uh, okay. I'm with you now. Makes perfect sense, dude. Yeah. It's just these little so, things, man, that people don't think about that you can. So you with a hundred episodes and how big your audience is on podcasting can leverage and charge potential guests, ads, all that space based off of your, your downloads, you can charge customers accordingly and monetize your podcast because something you already love doing. Boom. So I, 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 I messaged a podcast to request to be on and they're like, Hey, uh, they offer it. Could you push my course or pay me a flat fee of $175 to come on the podcast? So in my head, I'm like, eh, I don't know. But in my head, I was, I'm thinking about my numbers because I do tw- about 20 a month. If I charge $175 to come on my podcast, 20 episodes, it's almost 4,000 a month. It's a pretty good change just for just that right there. Just for charging clients to come on 150 bucks. And there's, there's clients that will come out and pay you, but like, I'm not paying my, I'm not asking my clients to pay for my. Yeah. So yeah, I've never even thought about doing something like that. Having your guests pay you to come on, but. But it makes sense. And the reason why they did it is because of cost of uh, content creation. So me, I have two video editors. I have a social media manager, like that all costs. And everybody that comes on my, on my, on my show, they get shorts, they get the main video, they get all that stuff put out all the graphics put out and it's something I just do for free right now because I'm already doing it and I already have people in place. Yeah. But if, you know, you could easily, if, man. if so, but check this out. The reason why I like podcasting too, in general is because if you can really um, get out your own product or service or somebody else's product and service, it's worth tons of money. So um, there's a big real estate podcast called bigger pockets. I DM them to get, see how much their ads cost. Okay. And they told me it was $10,000 for a three-month commitment in ads. I'm like, hell no, I'm starting my own. Because you got to think, if they're charging $10,000 per ad spot, how many ad spots do they actually have available Right. that they're turning into a cash-flowing asset? So Bigger Pockets has the podcast. They actually have like four, four podcasts now, I think, that are under the original one. They have a blog, and they have um, a newsletter, a magazine. So they have all these different assets that are kind of leveraged underneath the podcast that they started that all make different recurring revenue sources. Wow, dude. (laughs) So you, as you're starting a podcast for fun, can easily turn this into a cash flowing asset as your audience gets bigger over time by providing value and valuable content. 
you can turn this into multiple different assets in classes or multiple different assets in general to create and monetize. So where HiveMind comes in is you can use HiveMind for calendars, you can use HiveMinds for checkout pages, you can use it for uh, you can kind of create your own Patreon thing. Like you could do that. You yeah, know. yeah. I've I've been looking at that part too. So I don't know if I'm going to go down that road yet. But I've been wanting. Well, it's one of those things where like you, you just have to monetize. Like if people see value in it, people see will want to return that value back to you monetarily. So you have to have you have to create opportunity to accept that value. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So create an opportunity for your customers. Easy thing to do is apparel. I've, I've been looking at that. I have been looking at that too. But apparel, printful, printful.com. Printful.com. Dang it. So apparel is such an easy way to uh, uh, monetize your audience. And it's something to get your name out there in general. So one of the things when we started HiveMind, we instantly started a dropshipping company through Printful and Shopify day one, because we, we gave out, um, imagine if you did a giveaway for listeners to opt in for a free shirt or, you know, hat or something. Yeah. A free shirt or hat. How many people would you want to opt in? Those are leads that you paid for, for 20 bucks with a hat or shirt, you know? So now you can really leverage and monetize the audience because one of the biggest things about uh, social media and stuff like this podcast in general is you're building an audience. Make sure you leverage the audience to make billions. This is what Kylie Jenner's, this is what the Jenner's do. This is what Kanye does. This is what uh, Rob Deerdick does like he's on MTV making millions leveraging his personal brand and branding I saw a thing with uh, him and uh, he was I'm, I, I love ridiculousness but yeah, I, I used to get into that I know he has other shows but one of his uh, one of his he pitched like his business idea of uh, I forget the show but he talks he like pretty much does business and that was one of his shows on MTV and it brought him more business just by being on TV. And he made money off of selling it to a TV show. So now he's making money off the TV and getting more business just off the TV and general TV show in general. So he's making money on top of money just by doing something he loved. Yeah. Well, Daniel, we got to cut this a little short here. I got to get off here, wrap this up. But uh, people want to find you, find Hivemind, all that. Where do they do that at? All that good stuff. Um, you can text me at 210-972-1842. Just text the keyword course or Hive. Um, we have a Facebook group, Hide Mind CRM, public facing group. If you're interested in real estate or anything like that, uh, business automation, you check us out there. Um, and we, we're on all platforms, YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. We're on there. We're just finding value. We're coming out with a book this year. Uh, we have an annual conference that we do. It's going to be in Fort Lauderdale this year, uh, August 25th and 26th. You can check that out at thehiveislive.com slash summit. And uh, we're here to provide value, education, and hopefully make you into a six figure a month earner. Oh, Daniel, thanks for being here, dude. This was just appreciate it, man. I got a lot of pearls and gems here tonight from you, dude. So, so thanks, man. Power podcasting, man. You learn from the, you learn from your guests. There you go, man. All right. Uh, anything else you need to say and get off or plug or all that good stuff? We out. Cool. All right, everybody. We're out. Uh, be good to yourselves and all that good stuff. <laughs>
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 